Good morning, everyone. This is Ruth Mitchell, editor of The Wholesaler Magazine, coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. I'm really excited for our series of Off the Cuff, where we connect with industry CEOs and leaders. And I'm focusing on companies that have gone the distance, um, kind of like The Wholesaler Magazine, 75 years plus and going. With that, um, today, a very special guest and someone I've known for a long time. Today, we're joined by Chris Fasano, president of Torco, a family-owned and operated wholesale distributor serving the plumbing, HVAC, piping, and kitchen and bath markets. Its customers are the contractors, trade professionals, and consumers. Torco is now in its fourth generation of family leadership. The 103-year-old company is rooted in New England with 13 branches, six design center showrooms, which are all supported by two distribution centers that have more than 130,000 square feet of storage space. With a history rooted in family, community, investing in employee development and engagement, Torco lives by its motto of a great place to work, a great place to buy. Let's jump into this rich and colorful company history and family story. Chris, welcome to Off the Cuff. Hello, Ruth. Thank you for having me today. I'm honored to be part of the Wholesalers celebration of their 75th year. So thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you so much, Chris. You know, uh, the magazine has a, a, a great history here, but it's supported by companies in the industry such as yours that have a wonderful history as well. 103 years young, I like to say. You know, let's just jump in and start. Chris, can you talk to us about Torco's core mission and values and how have those evolved and changed over the years? Well, it's interesting you ask that question. Every year we go through a process of looking at our core mission and vision and values as a way to establish in our business what are the guiding principles that we are going to follow in our daily lives and in the direction of where we are as a company. So this year, obviously, we've had a bit of a odd year, but it doesn't mean that we parted ways with what we started in the beginning of the year. And if you look back even on the covers of The Wholesaler, where we've been uh, featured in the last 103 years, most of our company's history and reputation has been around our operational excellence. And that was something that our third-generation CEO, Joel Becker, focused on in our company. And as we have been thinking over the last three or four years and moving beyond what has become what we call table stakes, just this whole idea of operational excellence as everybody in the in the business has been able to figure out how to efficiently pick, pack, and ship. You know, we decided that we needed to go in a direction that that reflected where the world was going. So we changed our mission and vision or actually just, you know, clarified it for everybody that um, we needed to be a great place to work, a great place to buy. And that reflected the, you know, the continuing question that you get from most people, like, what makes your company different? And I think that most companies would tell you, oh, it's our people. And, um, you know, they never really spent time thinking about what that meant. Because mm-hmm. everybody thinks they have great people. They just, you know, they say it because 
it's just a convenient way of, you know, articulating that, you know, your people matter. And so in 2000, I think it was 2016, we actually started thinking a lot more about what it means to have the best people in the business and, and what does that mean for our customers. So as part of a, we won an ASA Innovation Award and won a free ticket to Dirk Beverage's Innovation Conference. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't know what, really what to expect. So our VP of Sales, Don Paletta, and I headed out to Chicago to one of Dirk Beverage's Innovation Conference. And we uh, were continually hearing about this concept of employee engagement. Mm-hmm. And we thought that as we continued down the path of looking at what it means to have great people as the driver of your business and then digging into a little bit more about employee engagement and and listening to the stories of what were high-profile engaged companies, you know, we started digging into what does it mean to have an engaged company. And so um, it was in 2019 that we formalized our mission of being a great place to work, a great place to buy. Um, and it all started with, you know, the, the Dirk Beverage Innovation Conference. So that's um, where our mission is right now. Um, and I don't see it changing for a while because we do think that that's the hallmark of a good business is having great people. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, you know, how has the company mission and values aided in the success? And you just said it right there when you're talking about employee engagement and the innovation award. And it sounds like the company is constantly innovating and not necessarily keeping up with the times, but maybe trying to stay one step ahead. Would that be correct? Yeah. And I think that it's been an interesting journey. And even through our reading, of, you know, engaged companies that really employee engagement is an everlasting program. Like you'll never get to, you know, the end of the road. It's, it will constantly be a journey of building blocks. So, you know, from that perspective, you know, you'll never end up reaching the top of the mountain. And when you're, when you're running a family business or any business, you know, you always have to be looking for opportunities to make your company better. Mm -hmm. We have, we have really latched on to, employee engagement as the way that we are going to drive our, our, our business. And it's interesting. Some people have asked, you know, when you look at, listen to our mission as being a great place to work, great place to buy, some people will ask, you know, why is, why is the great place to work before a great place to buy? You know, what about your customers? And, you know, why aren't you putting your customers first in that sentence? And it was purposeful in the way that we, we drafted it. And we believe that when you have great people working and you are a great place to work, that your customers will buy from you. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the, the the catalyst for getting customers to buy from you. So it was purposeful that we we stated it as such, and um, you know it's really what we we think about and, and focus on every single day. Is you know how do we make this a better place to work? today than we did, than we had it yesterday. So Uh, I love that. And uh, when you had just talked about, you know, when you're going down the path here, you never want to, you never want to um, attain the end because that means that you've accomplished your mission. You always want to be striving to do better, be better. And you're right. 
if you have happy and engaged employees, that's going to translate to happy and engaged customers, quite frankly. Well, just think about it from your own life. You know, you could go to the, the a restaurant and have the best food in the world, and that food is tainted by a bad customer experience. So, so if you true. have a bad waiter and you have good food, you don't you never remember the good food, you remember the bad waiter. That's and yep. And that's and that's kind of what the way we're looking at it, like, you know, is it it's it, it it means everything, mm-hmm. um, especially now that where where the world is that our customers are shopping at places that have really great customer experiences. So whether it's you know going to McDonald's or Chipotle or buying on Amazon or shopping at the local grocery store, you know people remember the experience they had there, and typically it's the 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 people side of the business that uh, makes a difference. So we want, we are focusing in on that as our primary mission in business right now. I love it. So we've talked about, we've talked about the good side, but let me ask you this. 103 years. I know, I know the company history here, but can you talk to us about, the company's largest roadblocks or biggest roadblocks over the years and how they were tackled? You know, if I look back on the last few years, and I don't know whether this is a convenient answer, but the economy in the Northeast has been a significant roadblock to us. And and it's not really the economy that's that's been the roadblock. It's everything that results from it. Um, we have not seen the tailwind that other people, you know, other parts of the country have seen um, and frankly, we've lost a lot of businesses in our communities, and that's forced people to leave the state. Um, and it's and it's caused us to reevaluate the markets we serve. So the biggest roadblock is that you know as people have as the economy has really struggled in in specifically Connecticut and Western Mass, our our business has changed because we can't rely on housing starts and companies coming in and, and, and building plants and factories like we may have in the past or in other parts of the country. So it's been that challenge of not getting the assistance of the economy and, and losing both businesses that would buy from us, but also people moving out of state to other communities and other states that we just don't have the population that we did in the past. So I think the hardest roadblock has been that we just our economy in our region has been uh, an uphill battle for us to grow our business and you know we, we're having trouble finding people because there's just not the population that we had before i mean it's been a, it's been an interesting past six months because we're of our proximity to new york city as as covid has hit the city a number of people have made the decision to leave new york and and the surrounding a metropolitan area around New York, and, and they've come to Connecticut, and especially some of the more rural areas of Connecticut, and decided to, you know, pick up their families and move to places that, you know, probably weren't on their radar in the past six months or a year, but now they've moved to Connecticut, and uh, we've seen a nice surge of business from people that have been relocating to the communities that we serve. So. It's been, uh, you know, an interesting byproduct of what we've been going through. 
So with the challenges of the economic challenges, and of course, this year with COVID, what are the valuable lessons that the company has learned from these experiences? And maybe what have you implemented to bring you back to the level you were before or to take you to the next level? Well, I'll go back to my to my comment about employee engagement because one of the things that has gotten us through uh, the roadblocks of just the past six months has been that you know when you have an engaged workforce and your your people are engaged, you know they're willing to stand by whatever needs to get done to get the company to either make it to the other side or to thrive in the future. Mm-hmm. So the valuable lessons that we've learned is um, you know one is that employee engagement is 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 the deal. Right. The second thing I would say is that we've learned not specifically about the roadblocks, but just about life is that people, our customers, our employees, they're shopping at Amazon and Whole Foods, like I mentioned before. And, you know, the employee, the experiences that they're getting at those everyday places need to make their way into our business. Like they have the same expectations of Torco and our design centers that they have of the places that you wouldn't think would deliver it, like McDonald's, you know, being able to order um, and having it ready when you get there or, you know, having the ability to order from your phone and pick it up in, and know when your order is going to be ready. So just extrapolating everybody's, you know, employees and customers, uh, both trade and retail, and extrapolating the experiences they have in their daily lives to the experiences they have from their plumbing wholesaler, mm-hmm. let's say, um, has been, you know, an interesting lesson that we've learned. And, you know, when you think about uh, the first 103 years of Torco's life, and say, you know, what have you guys focused on to what are you focusing on now? They're, they're night and day. Right. Um, but, but the operational component is always the backbone because if you can't deliver on the customer experience, it doesn't matter what the customer experience is. It's tainted by the delivery. It's tainted by the operation. So that's our backbone. And thank God we've, we've spent 103 years figuring that out. <laughs> we can. Um, but we're always looking to make sure that we're current with customer expectations. And that's been the, probably the biggest lesson that we've learned in the past few years, but certainly heightened over COVID as, as we've been forced to look at our model to make sure that it's not only you know safe, but also in line with the way the customers want to shop. Well, I'm right there with you on customer service. Customer service is um, above all the highest marker for me. So I completely understand what you're talking about. Again, I keep going back to 103 years. There's so much history to your company. And over those 103 years, I know some very tough decisions had to be made. Can you share with us what some of those were or circumstances surrounding that? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that comes to my mind is making the shift to uh, culture, culture first. And, uh, you know, when we talk about making, you know, having interviews and talking about suppliers or customers and, do, you know, who we choose to hire and who we choose to do business with, it's been the fact that, you know, we have to make sure that culture comes first. 
And, and that means, you know, parting ways with people, employees and parting ways with suppliers and parting ways with certain customers that, you know, they do good business with you or they're good, you know, they know their stuff, but, you know, culturally they're not a fit. Mm-hmm. And you you may have to make, we've made decisions about, you know, not, not having some people work for us or not buying from certain suppliers because they just don't match the values that we find are the most important thing. Like we will not tolerate customers who are, who berate our employees or we won't tolerate employees who berate each other or suppliers who don't stand behind their, their products. We believe that that is the, you know, first and foremost, we would, we hired a culture. We partner with suppliers that have the matching culture and we partner with customers that, that value what, what I just talked about. So I think that the, the lesson that the tough decisions is that putting culture before everything else has been, been a tough, tough thing to implement and execute. We've talked about, you know, the 20,000 foot level here of tough decisions and implementations, but I want to, I want to zero in on, let's say the last five years. What do you think has been the smallest change that has been made within the company that's had either the biggest impact or an incredible positive result? I think the smallest change, and I'm not sure it's a change more than it is just to continually reminding yourself that the little things matter. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get caught in 20,000 foot views. And, you know, certainly over the pandemic, during this pandemic, it's been, it's been a challenge to remember that the little things matter. But, you know, things that like handshakes and hugs and uh, phone calls, you know, they need to be what, you know, people tend to go to emails and texts and they forget that there's the human element of most everything we do. And so I think that the, the, the smallest change really hasn't been a change, but it's the, it's the, it's that the little things matter. Right. And it could just be a check-in with an employee that isn't expecting your call and you ask them, you know, what can I do or how can I help or, you know, what, what is, what do I need to know? And it's that, that one-on-one small things matter that I think is not a small change, but it's just a continual uh, reminder that that is what's, what, what is important. Uh, I, I agree with you. It's that human touch, that human interaction that can't be duplicated by anything else that has the biggest impact. And that's, I mean, I'll tell you a story. We just had a, an employee that lost a family, a close family member. And, you know, I went out to the warehouse and, and went to talk to him. And my first thing, inclination was to give him a hug. Yeah. And uh, it's been the hardest thing to, you know, it was the hardest thing to remember, like, hey, you know, hugs aren't, aren't good these days. Right. Because of everything going on. But, you know, just the mere thing, the mere fact that I went out and had the conversation with him and, and, and reminded him that, number one, we felt for him. And number two, that we were here in whatever way that, you know, whatever that meant to him. You know, it's that it's the small thing. I could easily have sent an email to the guy, but I thought that you know it's the things that matter to people that I want. You know, I want our company to be known for, and I want our our people to know that they should expect that from us. Well, I got to tell you, you I, actually, I, I I'm kind of tearing up because I think that that it, it's such a beautiful sentiment that that goes 
back to your motto of a great place to work and a great place to buy, but a great place to work. And it's because of that human interaction and understanding and trust and respect of the employee. Let me ask you this. Obviously, I said the Wholesaler Magazine is celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. How has the Wholesaler Magazine helped your company be successful? So I actually look forward to getting the Wholesaler every month. And uh, I don't know about a lot of people, but I still like getting the print version. But I will tell you that from a very early of my you know early experience at Torco, um, the one article, the one uh, feature that I go through every month is is the piece by on smart wholesaling by Rich Smith, and I can give you you know the, his article on being a primary supplier mm-hmm. um, is something that I have laminated in my office. But even to the extent of what we were just talking about, he wrote an article at one point about seeing things with your own eyes mm-hmm. and walking around branches and distribution centers just to get your own visual, your own personal connection on what's happening in the business. You know, these are lessons that I still remember today. I don't know when Rich wrote that original article, but it had to be you know, 20 years ago. And I don't know whether he published it before I got to Torco in 2002. But I will tell you that there are always gems inside of specifically his articles, but I know there's other articles that, you know, I go through that, you know, you get a a good perspective on what's important in your business Mm -hmm. and where the world is going. So I think that, you know, from my perspective, the wholesaler is just one more touch point that we have with, with the wholesale community to remind us of where we where we need to be and where we need to go. So um, it's a very valuable to us as a company and me personally to, to have that every month. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. We do appreciate it. Um, what one word do you want your customers, employees, partners to have in mind regarding Torco? What's the one what's the one word you want to pop into their head when your company name comes up? I know this probably sounds self-serving or it's kind of like you've heard it in this podcast, you know, repeatedly, but I would say the word engaged and you know, it means different things to different people. But, you know, the word engaged has so many different meanings that are so applicable and appropriate for what we are as a company, what I am as a leader um, and, and what our people, you know, and I, when I say people, I mean suppliers, partners customers, employees, that whole constituency, you know, it's, it's, it, it means things like understanding and interesting and interested, caring and committed. But I also think that engaged means, you know, things like you're engaged with the communities that you serve. And I know you mentioned that in the beginning that Torco has always been, you know, committed to the, the public community as our key elements, because we believe that in, if your community is strong, it will drive your business. The minute, you know, your community, you know, goes in the wrong direction, it affects your business. So we believe that that is one piece of it, but, you know, engaged means all of those things to me, not just, you know, the process of engagement or the process of, um, you know, other things. It just means that there's so many different things it can mean to our company, our community, our people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the like. So 
I know it sounds like I'm kind of harping on this thing and I'm, I'm paid by somebody to just, you know, you get five cents every time you use the word engagement, but it really is true that, you know, that is something that we talk about every day and it means different things to different people. So we, it seems like a broad enough word that that's, that's good for us. Well, I know. I love that answer. I love that answer because in a way, this is my, this is my last thought question for you. I call it my dinner party question because it's so broad and has many different meanings. And you might've just answered this, but you know, what award do you want to see on your company's wall? That's a tough one. And you probably think I'm going to say something like, you know, best place to work. Mm-mm. Um, but you know, if I thought about it, I would, I would say that the, the award that I would want on the, on the wall is, you know, best fifth generation business, uh-huh. um, in our community. And, and, and I guess that the, as you mentioned in the, in the beginning of the podcast, that this, this idea of family business is so important to Torco. But, you know, when you think about generational businesses and going from one generation to the next, you know, the, the, the underlying, the underlying reality is, is that whoever was in that generation past uh, did all of the right things to get the company to the next generation, to pass down something that they can have as their own um, and take it to the next level. So, you know, I think about the, the awards that we've won over the years and whether it's individual awards or company awards, but, you know, really the fact that you know, where we would make it to the next generation is is indicative that we did the right things to get to the next generation. And that means having people that work for us, you know, generation to generation or customers that pass their businesses down to their next generation who continue to buy from us. It's really that passing of the torch that is the next level. So, you know, I think having a gener- a business that goes from one generation to the next, let alone from the first to the fifth, just means that we're doing all the right things that make us successful and meaningful. So I think that that would be where I would look to it. Not that I'm, you know, my bo- my boys are all pretty young and um, I'm still just trying to get them to do their Zoom classes and. Uh, <laughs> brush their teeth in the morning, let alone worried about, uh, you know, passing the business on to them. But I think if I, if they, I think if we were able to, that there would be, you know, nothing better than having them have the opportunity to lead this company into their generation. So that would be, that would be what I would tell you. But I think that getting them to brush their teeth might be a <laughs> worthwhile award. For you, for you and for you and for so many. <laughs> for you and for so many. Well, no, that was that was a beautiful, a beautiful answer. Because, you know, it all goes back to you had talked about engaged is how you want your company to be known. And I'm going to say that it's probably connected. I think Torco is definitely connected, connected to employees and teammates, connected to its channel partners, connected to its customers, and connected to the community in all senses of the word. And for 103 years, that's an amazing feat to happen. And I know that hopefully it will be here 103 more years down the line with future generations. 
thank you very much for taking part in our podcast today to talk about our celebration, which is really celebrating companies such as yours. And thank you for allowing us to help you along the path. And with that, Chris Fizzano, I'm going to say thank you so very much for your time today. And we look forward to seeing you and and seeing others from the company and celebrating it down the line. It was an honor to be part of it. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Have a wonderful day.